Step into the Wealth Elevator and join our 12,000 plus member community who have passively invested over $200 million to acquire over $2.1 billion in commercial real estate. Sign up by going to thewealthelevator.com slash club. And here we go. All right, here we go into chapter one of the book. Again, we are releasing my old book that we released a couple years ago, The Journey to Simple Passive Cashflow. In this chapter, I'm going to be going into my story, a little bit of context surrounding myself, because I don't teach things that I haven't done myself or now realizing back, looking at some of the lessons learned, in addition to the thousands of calls that I've had with you guys over the years of doing the podcast since 2016. At this still point, I still do those onboarding calls, but you need to join up with the Investor Club, which you can do for free at simplepassacashflow.com slash club. It's my passion to help people get started into the world of private equity, syndications, and alternative wealth building. And sign up there. And if you guys like the book, check it out at simplepassacashflow.com slash book, where you guys can get the links to buy the physical copy. Join the club there, put your email address in to get the free e-version. And if you guys can help us out, just do a quick review for us. Take a screenshot, send it to the team at simplepassacashflow.com and we'll give you a free gift, which is one of the free e-courses that we've put together that we sell for typically two or $300. That's as a thank you to you guys. But here we are, chapter one, my story. This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Here we go, chapter one. And in case you guys are wondering what's in the background of my videos, I'm recycling through different pictures of properties that we own. This one here is the Cambridge Apartments, 303 units out in Houston, Texas. My story. My background is very similar to many of you who are reading this. I call it the linear path, where we're all told to be frugal with our money, not go into debt, study hard in school, work hard at our jobs, save to buy a home, have 2.1 kids, and then we will be able to enjoy retirement when we're 62 or 80 years old after years and years of being frugal and working within the system. I was introduced to simple passive cash flow in the form of rental income very early. It accidentally opened the world up for me and took me about a decade to achieve accredited investor status. I started to uncover the world of how average people were creating generational wealth for themselves and their future families by investing in passive real estate investments with a few methods available to those like yourself with a good paying job and current finances in shape. Most folks out there are broke and come to real estate because they hear it framed as a get rich quick scheme. Now, that's very different from what we're doing. You know, what we're doing requires capital and a good paying job to invest, whereas most people don't have jobs where they make over fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year. And these are predominantly the people you'll find at local real estate clubs, the RIAs and meetups, people who don't have money. So they have to take a more active approach. So that's where the whole wholesaling, flipping, all these rehabbing projects. Unfortunately, a lot of the passive real estate investors get clumped into that more risky, more active type of stuff. But I'm just going to define things right here moving forward that we don't do any of that stuff. We're passive real estate investors, and then we'll get into the taxes here in the book. But I don't want to ruin it for you guys. The truth is, it's all pretty simple. But it's just underneath a lot of financial dogma that keeps a lot of hardworking folks like yourself trapped in the system. 
Back in grade school, I just happened to be good at math and science, so I unconsciously walked down this path of earning an engineering degree, then a master's degree, getting my professional engineering license, PE, and working for a Fortune 50 company. Sure, I earned a higher salary that allowed me a certain lifestyle, but I soon realized a few things. My work wasn't very fun. I got stuck out in the field supervising men in their 50s and 60s and other union-based workers. I was out there in the cold and rain on construction projects to supervise these guys. I think a lot of people find that when you get paid a lot, it's very stressful. I was traveling all the time for work. Sure, with the 100% travel came hundreds of thousands of frequent flyer points in first class all the time. But I saw the other people around me, people such as the corporate slaves up in first class who probably had a family that never saw them or a family that had left them, and that's not what I wanted. After a few years into my young career, I knew I wasn't that great of an engineer. After all, I had a 3.1 GPA in college. Heck, I knew it back then. I wasn't the employee who was going to be thrusted up the corporate ladder who was red-circled for higher-level positions. I saw my path ahead to work at this job for 40 or 50 more years, eventually paying off my house. I thought it was being smarter than my peers by being frugal and essentially maxing out my 401k and Roth accounts every year while investing in index funds and following the Bogglehead and FIRE blogs. Now, this is a very common, a lot of people that kind of find simplepassivecashflow.com. You guys are the guys who are very good with your money, very frugal, max out your 401ks, but there's a better way of doing this, guys. And then I bought my first rental property, and I saw myself making two to three times more than my money in one rental property than what my money was getting in the retail financial product world of stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and index funds. My parents paid down their house diligently through decades of white knuckling. Most people like them will probably retire with about a million in assets, most of it locked up in their home equity, or house rich, cash poor. You might go on a few vacations with your two or four weeks of vacation throughout the years, but when you get into your golden years, you're probably going to get to a point where you can't physically enjoy your meager wealth. It'll all be too late. And in this day and age, and I think in the future, one to two million dollars isn't going to buy you very much in terms of retirement. I was thinking the other day, like a lot of people, they, they have so much equity in their house. And just take an example of a million dollars estate. If you put that in a pretty okay or lower end investment, making 10%, that can make $100,000 of passive income a year. And that could probably pay for college for three grandchildren. But most people have it completely wrong in their head that they're trying to be debt averse, want to paying off things. And this is, you know, I'm just foreshadowing, you know, this is a lot of the mindset and the conventional thinkers uh, think out there. Whereas the way we do things, we follow the numbers and we, we follow what the wealthy do. The systematic approach we advocate for instead of traditional method of financial wealth building is based on cash flow. By only buying assets such as rental real estate that more than pays for all its expenses every month is a very prudent and safe way of building wealth. What we're doing here is we're creating streams of income today, and that's a diversified pool of income. Most people have the idea of this accumulation theory, but in the case of my parents and thousands or millions of other baby boomers out there, even for the most frugal of white knucklers, I don't see their net worth surpassing much more than one to one and a half million dollars in their lifetime. Most of my clients living the simple passive cash flow lifestyle are able to surpass $4.5 million net worth threshold in a fraction of the time. Yeah, so basically I see 
thousands of financial profiles come through and there's really nothing that surprises me other than you know a trust fund kid here that has a lot of money and doesn't have a decent paying job and nothing surprises me these days in terms of finances based on your net worth and your age and how, and what kind of a job you work i can pigeonhole and figure out where you're at and from what i've seen there's a clear differential between those people who invest with the conventional financial dogma and those people who are you know, using debt prudently, investing in cash flowing assets, and playing the game tax smart. So again, that's the paradigm shift. You're either under a $1.5, $1 million net worth, and you really struggled and white knuckled to get there, or you will surpass that. It's the difference between floaters and sinkers. And if you want to think about it in terms of people who hit zero G, zero gravity, they're able to float off into the, into the outer atmosphere where most people are just stuck on earth gravity pulling them down. If you've been listening to the Simple Passive Cashflow podcast since 2016, you have seen me well change my mind a few times. At one time, I thought buying a bunch of rentals was the way to financial freedom, so you could be that cool guy at the local real estate club with all the other misguided landlords. As I became an accredited investor, I discovered the three-step system that we use today. First, syndication deals where you don't invest with dishonest operators to get better returns than the 401k financial planner garbage. Second step, Get passive losses to unlock the tax best practices that the wealthy employ. And last and least impactful, number three, infinite banking. If your net worth is not yet $1 million, check out my free turnkey rental remote e-course at simplepassacashflow.com slash turnkey. All right, speaking to accredited investor to accredited investor, my one, two, three system is very simple to implement, but it requires plugging into a community of purely passive accredited investors like ours. Join our investor club for more insider access. Go to simplepassacashflow.com slash club. Those who are looking to deploy more than $250,000 the first year or make over $300,000 in annual income or net worth over a couple million dollars should really look into our exclusive inner circle called the Family Office HANA Mastermind, FOOM for short. Learn more at simplepassivecashflow.com slash journey. There's a better way and there's a safer way. There's a way for you and most of my clients to gain financial freedom in less than 10 years. Money's not everything but affords you the freedom to do what you want, with whom you want, where you want, and when you want. It gives you options. Most people never ask themselves, what is my highest and best use other than working at this day job? After I have enough money that I don't need to trade my time for money, what else can I do? What legacy can I leave behind? And just a little bit insight, I quit my job back in 2018, and at that point, I left the whole trading time for money. Most people will get to that point in their later years, but people living the simple passive cash flow lifestyle, investing in real assets, you'll get to this point in your mid-adulthood, i got to believe. And it, it can be a little scary because now you're getting off the rails and not many people get to live this life of abundance where you actually get to decide what you want to do instead of, again, trading time for dollars. I would argue your life doesn't really start until you stop trading time for dollars and now your life and all this time and the means to do whatever you want is gives you this white canvas to work with a lot of you guys most people went to college that are reading this book and that's like probably the closest thing i can think about remember that first week when you went off to college and you left your parents and normal life behind and you could do anything right you go drink beers all day if you want you probably don't want to do that or maybe if you guys dropped out of college you probably maybe did a little bit of that it's that feeling that you can do anything that you want and most people, quite frankly, don't have very much. $1 million is not much of a platform to do much of anything. That amount is just putting on your own oxygen mask for meager survival. 
There are a lot of people with doctorate degrees, master degrees, and very useful undergraduate degrees who are stuck working, trading time for money. How do I break the cycle? After that first purchase in 2009, I decided to buy another duplex in Seattle in 2012. At this time, I started to learn that you shouldn't go to the high-end luxury A-class properties or the war zone F and D properties, which are ridden with headaches and poor collections. It's actually preferable to be in the middle, like the B-C-class property. So instead of an A-class property, like my first property in an ideal submarket in North Seattle, my second purchase was more of a B-plus white blue-collar tenant in West Seattle. After 2012, prices were going up and I started to realize that I wasn't getting much rental income per my rental property acquisition price. I was getting a little desperate because the numbers weren't working as well as a couple years prior. So I started to look around for other options, one of which was to buy properties from an auction. Buying properties from an auction is another tactic in the bag of tricks of the no money broke folks who are trying to get rich quick. These properties are typically more distressed properties and it's not worth the risk for higher net worth and higher paid busy professionals like you. I remember going to one of these real estate clubs where every Thursday they would hold a meeting prior to the auction to discuss the properties up for out grabs. It was like a war room or fantasy football meeting, just a little more professional. I look around the room where they'd serve a crappy spaghetti dinner and I realized it was just a bunch of old unsophisticated investors from Microsoft who just had too much money, or this is what we hashtag dumb money as kids would call it today. I would quickly realize these other guys didn't know anything. They only thought that they were getting a good deal. And sure, they would probably be okay because real estate typically appreciates in value. But at that point, I made the choice to be more of a cash flow investor. Most people have the idea that they need to invest for accumulation. They're trying to build a large amount of money, say 2 to $4 million to live off in retirement. I believe that line of thinking is flawed. Once you get up to that retirement point when you're older, you're going to want to live off the streams of cash flow unless you want to keep eating at that pile of 2 to $4 million. So I say, why not begin with the end in mind and start to build these mini streams of cash flow today? Let's just call them mini pensions instead of banking on your pension from your company or Social Security. And we all know out there that how unreliable companies and state city governments are these days, and those pensions aren't going to be around. The nice thing about the cash flow or mini pension or simple passive cash flow method is you can eat off the cash flow streams today. But if you're like me, you're not going to use this cash flow stream to buy a new car, home, pool, or maybe your kid's private school education or college. Especially if you have a good paying day job that more than pays today's bills and puts food on your table, you're likely to use these streams of income to buy more and more properties, generating more streams of income. This is essentially what I did with my extra $600 a month from that very first rental property. Now I had an additional $1,000 per month to go purchase another property more quickly. In those first three or four years, it was moving like a turtle, saving my money. Granted, I was still living on the road at this time as a single super frugal guy. I was saving upwards of eighty dollars to $100,000 a year. Sometimes I even make a game out of it, only spending $100 or less a week to maximize my savings. I drive back home from a work trip and eat a buffet on the company's dime right before I came back home. It was awesome. Then I wouldn't eat the next day, which call intermittent fasting. I'm not advocating for this lifestyle per se. This is how I buckled down and saved money in the beginning. No, 
Most of my younger clients are able to save at least uh, $10,000, where those over the age of 40 are able to save thirty dollars to $50,000 a year. Now, once you start to buy more and more assets, now that's now you're starting to see things really get cooking. A lot of my current clients today are able to save fifty, a hundred, hundred fifty thousand dollars, which they can use to go into many deals per year. Around 2012, the market reached an inflection point where I wasn't able to cash flow in a primary market or what we'll call tier one markets like Seattle. Other notable primary tier one markets that we stay away from because they're more cyclical in nature are California, Hawaii, New York, Miami, to name a few. This is when I started seeking out remote turnkey rentals, a fully renovated home or two to four unit that an investor can purchase and immediately rent out that were in a secondary market or tertiary market where the numbers made more sense. I bought one such property in Birmingham, Alabama for about $70,000. The monthly rent was $850 per month. So I was beating the 1% rent to value ratio that is so critical for cash flow. It was a B property and it worked. The crazy thing was that I never saw it. I never ever interacted with it. I had a property manager doing everything. I built a team of people and I got lucky because the wrong people will definitely screw you over. I found some loose referrals and that was how I started to systematize investing remotely. Eventually, I jumped off the cyclical appreciation bandwagon game and got on the steady cash flow game. I sold off the two Seattle properties and went into 11 rentals in 2015 in Birmingham, Atlanta, Indianapolis, and Pennsylvania. Now again, looking back, I accelerated things very quickly. Being able to save so much money every year is not something most people can do. But so it's just going to mean that things are going to take a little bit longer, especially in the beginning. And a little bit of a humor here. If you guys want to check out some of the really cheap and frugal things I used to do back in the day, and check out simplepassacashflow.com slash cheapo for a list of things I did to save money, some of which I'm not entirely proud of. When I purchased my first rental, I discovered I could make 20 to 30% returns on my investment. While running my 401k and stock portfolio, I was lucky enough to get a long-term gain of 8 to 10%. And this went up and down. You guys all know how that Wall Street roller coaster is. If you guys don't believe me on that 20 to 30% returns, go and see a breakdown. I do a little whiteboard exercise. My website, simplepassivecashflow.com slash returns. Now, this was the epiphany I had when I first started investing. You don't have to be a complete expert at it. You don't have to waste so much time flipping houses, wholesaling houses, or playing the role of active investor. And those activities are very risky in my opinion. But I like flippers and wholesalers because they pay all my taxes for me because all their income is ordinary income. Where what we like to do as passive real estate investors is to put her into passive income, which allow us to offset it with our passive gains. But more on that in the future. Now, why is real estate investing better? You get way more returns and you pay less taxes because of the tax benefits. And it's a hard asset that preserves its value. The problem with 401ks is that you're trapped within the current set of offerings. One of those is the 401k, 403b, TSP, or 529 college savings plan, which grows tax-free. But what most people don't think or talk about is that you're going to have to pay taxes eventually. There are four big reasons why I don't advocate for those under $1.5 million net worth to use any retirement accounts, including 401ks or Roth IRAs. First of all, these plans are based on the idea that you're going to want to pay less taxes in the future. When you start withdrawing from a retirement plan, which I think is completely opposite, 
this idea is predicated on you growing old, losing your large active ordinary W-2 income, and being in a lower tax bracket because your income is less. However, call me op- optimist, and in fact, I know that in my future, I'm going to make a lot more money when I'm older. Therefore, I'll be in a higher tax bracket. So therefore, I want to pay my taxes today and get it out of a retirement plan as soon as possible. Number two, let's look where this country is going. We're just pumped in trillions of dollars of stimulus recently, and this trend will continue. As long as America owns the world currency and has the best military, we're continuing to print money. How will we pay for all this? Most people will agree that taxes are going to go up. Therefore, you want to pay taxes on your money now, when you assume that the rates will be lower in the future. You have a choice to either pay your taxes today or in the future. If you agree with me, then you want to pay your taxes today. That's why I wouldn't want my money in one of these qualified retirement accounts. Retirement plans are the government's greatest potential source of revenue. By having your money in any sort of qualified retirement plan money, you basically give the government the right or to lean to take whatever they want in the future. Still, you might say, I'll do the Roth IRA, right? Because I can pay my taxes today rather than in the future. That brings me to my next point. I want my money outside these qualified retirement plans, considered a self-directed IRA, IRA, 401k, 403b, and TSP. These are accounts where you're making money in this vehicle, but you can't actually use the passive losses or deductions that investment produces. And this is what separates a mom and pa single-family home landlord from a passive limited partner syndication investor. The real estate syndication is a property syndication, is a partnership between several investors, and we'll get more into this later. So they combine their skills and resources and capital to purchase and manage a property that otherwise one person couldn't afford. Wealthy investors have a high level of sophistication on taxes. They know that they are able to use passive losses and bonus depreciation from these larger deals to offset ordinary income. Plus, if they implement a real estate professional status on their taxes... They can lower their ordinary tax rate by shielding their high W-2 ordinary income from their day job. Now, I know this is new to you. Don't worry. It was new to me for a while. I didn't know this stuff when I first started. And quite frankly, most people, even CPAs, are totally oblivious to the power of real estate losses. Basically, a real estate investment will produce a positive gain from cash flow. But the trick is being able to take the paper losses that come from the depreciation of the asset In single-family homes, you're able to deduct 1 27th over 27 years of the building value. You can't deduct the land value because the dirt doesn't depreciate. But the property value can be deducted 27th of the value for 27 years. So in theory, you could have an investment that has a negative paper loss associated with it. You're making money cash flow-wise, getting the appreciation, and your mortgage is being paid down by the tenant, not you. All the while, that depreciation could take you into the red. And that's a good thing because you normally pay taxes on the gains. But if you're able to drive your gains down, then you pay little to no taxes. Now check out screenshots of my tax returns at simplepassivecashflow.com slash tax and see the proof for yourself. Going back to why to avoid retirement plans. You don't get any of these precious passive losses. Now I hinted in the beginning but the syndication deals allow for much stronger passive losses through bonus depreciation laws that are currently in place. We'll get to it in the future in the book, but that's why the syndications trump the, the single family home deals where you're able to take it over 27 really long years 
where the syndication deals through a cost segregation, you're able to deduct the entire, you're able to deduct one third of the property value oftentimes in the first year. So you can imagine if you are already in the red, this is going to take you in the red much, much more, which is a good thing. They're going back to why to avoid retirement plans. You don't get any of these precious passive losses if you're investing in a retirement account. The fourth and final reason why I don't like these qualified retirement plans is because you can only start to pull the money out when you're old or else you get penalized. I retired well before I was 40 years old and I think a lot of people reading this book can retire in 5 to 10 years. This is well before the government allows you to touch your retirement funds. Boo retirement and their qualified retirement fund plans rules. When I had a bunch of properties in 2015, I initially had this idea that I'd have all of them paid off. Why? That's what you hear when you hang out with a bunch of the wrong people. But sophisticated investors don't completely pay off their properties. In fact, they use debt like a tool to acquire more and more properties, therefore increasing their cash flow. And as far as asset protection goes, having paid off property is one of the dumbest things you can do because now everybody knows where all your money is at and you're sitting duck, making a big target for a lawsuit. Encumbering your properties with debt is one of the most basic forms of asset protection. From a net worth and cash flow perspective, utilizing prudent debt is the smart thing to do. One big mistake that investors make is that they don't leverage their assets. They Let's say the market price of the property goes up. Therefore, their equity position goes up because there's a tenant paying down their mortgage. Unfortunately, their return on equity goes down over the years. And just highlighting that term, return on equity, that's how sophisticated investors really key in on. Unfortunately, their return on equity goes down over the years. Maybe you're making 30% or more a year, but as your property appreciates, you have more equity in the property, and that return of equity, unfortunately, goes down. Sophisticated investors pay attention to the return on equity. People say, buy and never sell, but that's not always true. You can buy, and then you might be able to sell the asset or trade it to keep that return on equity high. What we like to do is refinance our lazy equity out and retain in a cash flowing deal with none of our original capital in there. We call this infinite returns because we don't have of any of that initial capital in there. And so more, more information on this uh, idea, this pretty counterintuitive idea of return on equity, go and download a spreadsheet at simplepassivecashflow.com slash ROE to start to analyze where your lazy equity is going. And this is probably the most common mistake that I see from most landlords and current property owners. Again, most property owners only own maybe one or two properties. They're doing it wrong. What you should be doing is owning multiple properties and creating multiple streams of income. Now to illustrate this mistake, let's use a property that you've paid 100% off. You own the property outright as a classic example. In this case, the investor is probably making less than what they could be making with a U.S. savings bond or a sub 3% a year. Also, it's really dumb, in my opinion. To take on that much litigation liability, it's just not worth it. But there is a sweet spot with a good amount of leverage to optimize the returns in cash flow. There's a point at which you can always sell or refinance and get that leverage point higher. Personally, when I'm making less than 15 to 20% a year on an investment, I'm already looking to do a refinance or another capital event such as selling and putting it into more properties. When you have 10 or 20, even 30 rentals, refinancing or selling, then buying again can become quite the chore. 
and you're going to make your lending broker rich if you follow their loaded advice of getting an all-in-one portfolio loan and therefore they can collect the commissions all day on that. I started to feel the growing pains of a larger portfolio around 2015 when I had 11 rentals. About this time is when I started to pay my way into masterminds and other high-level groups. When you go to the local real estate investment association or the RIA or find other free online forums, what you're doing is interacting with newbies and broke guys. These are the guys who don't have good jobs and guys who don't have any money. Their net worth is likely less than $250,000 and most aren't even investing. It's a complete waste of time, especially for a working business professional like yourself. Most of the local in-person meetings have the groupthink mentality of investing where they live, which if you're an investor, especially one who lives in the primary market like California, Washington, D.C., Hawaii, New York, Boston, uh, Washington State, you're not going to f- be able to find cash flow in your local area. Going to these local groups or free online forms isn't going to help you, but it might make you want to take a shower after because there are a bunch of slime balls out there. So good luck and don't take your spouse who's already skeptic of what you're doing. In 2015, I had 11 rentals, which is pretty good sample size to describe what the heck actually happens in that situation. Of course, I had all professional third-party property management teams. I don't advocate anybody to manage these properties by themselves. That's what your grandma and grandpa did back in the day. And that's what they only had one or two rental properties. And that's why it took them so long to get the financial freedom. Always get a third-party property manager. Focus on being an investor, not a landlord. With my 11 rental properties, I had an eviction or two each year, which wasn't too much of an issue. I also had some kind of major catastrophe happen perhaps three or four times a year. Maybe a tree falls on the house or there's a flooded basement due to a rainstorm or a toilet plumbing issue. These things happen. As an investor, you're managing the manager who's working to remedy these issues, and you're just approving and ensuring they're being a good steward with your asset. With 11 rentals and about a few thousand dollars of passive income a month, you're doing all right. Most of my investors shoot for a goal of having $10,000 passive income a month. In theory, you'll need to take my 11 rentals and multiply them by three. But now you're multiplying that exception frequency and talking about an eviction every other month and some kind of big catastrophe that happens every few weeks. And then you start to realize these types of investments are unscalable. That's not even taking into account that it's very hard to really leverage these assets. As we were talking about earlier about managing the debt, over time, your equity position is going to go up on these properties. And it's going to be a real pain to refinance all these onesie, twosie properties out of your 30 portfolio. As a side note, Get our free rental property analyzer to have a better understanding of how to pad your expenses so that you are conservative with your numbers. Go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash analyzer. Now with these 11 rental properties, one of the three properties lost money every year. Think about it. Say an HVAC goes out or there's another large repair. It might pull the property in the red for the entire year. However, I was making about $3,000 of passive cash flow a month from the portfolio as a whole. I had already come a long way from where I started back in 2009, but I needed to hit my goals, quit my day job, and find an easier way to scale. That is why I started to pay to get into high-level masterminds, and this is where I found my people, other high-paid doctors, lawyers, engineers, and high-paid professionals, people who are at my level and beyond to get the real strategy that went beyond the stale books and regurgitated advice in podcast land. But if you guys like podcasts, check out the Simple Passive Cashflow podcast where we are geared towards accredited investors.
It was common amongst this circle to find other investors who own respectable size rental property portfolios. But they were like, the hell with that. Their attitude resonated with me. This is where this new world opened. Buying my own rentals, getting my net worth up to $600,000, and investing in rental properties was the prerequisite to building relationships with these people. And this is where we tell people, you might be accredited, but educate yourself so you can learn the lingo. Because how do you build your network with other high net worth passive investors? You have to add value to those relationships to build those organic relationships. Get educated for, and again, more importantly, go to the right places, right? The local RIAs, the free meetups, the free online forums. They're just going to have the wrong people that you're going to waste your time with. Soon, I discovered syndication deals that did cost segregations and extracted plenty of passive losses, magnitudes more than my single-family home rentals per dollar investor. This, I found, was the first step to unlocking all these other wealth-building strategies like paying less taxes, utilizing real estate professionals to offset any ordinary income, and so on. And then, infinite banking using whole-life overfunded insurance and other more legacy creation activities, which we'll talk about later in the book. I realized a lot of this stuff was very simple, but it was very different than what my parents had taught me or what others may teach you throughout classes, groups, and forums. Certainly not what your friends and coworkers talk about. I made a point to interact with the right people. I picked up different tactics and strategies by way of osmosis. I leveled up and started to get traction. From 2009 to 2015, I went from 0 to 11 rentals. As of 2012, I own over 5,000 rental units. There is a saying, money talks, but wealth whispers. A lot of gurus teach broke guys about getting rich by flipping houses or doing these rehab strategies, and they post it all over social media. But the wealthy quietly going through the boring cash-flowing rentals utilize changing best practices in tax and legal and ultimately build legacies. And that's what we're going to teach you guys. The proceeding is not tax, legal, or investment advice, nor an offer to sell securities or investment products. Always make informed decisions with professional guidance. Get educated and surround yourself with a community at thewealthelevator.com slash club.